0: Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 204, and I conducted this one over the internets with Jim Bob. Some of you may remember that name. If you've been a listener for the entirety of this podcast, you will know that I first interviewed him way back in the beginning in 2016. uh, And I've been following his Instagram for a very long time. He's a political satirist, uh, um, not just politics, uh, socioeconomic satire, uh, technology, the whole really the gamut of all things human uh, and beyond. aliens show up here and there, robots, that kind of thing. Anyway, he does these cartoons and uh, his commentaries are really fascinating. So I've been following him for quite a long time. We always have really fascinating conversations. I don't agree with everything he has to say. I'm sure he doesn't agree with everything I have to say. But for me, that's what makes the conversation so delightful. Uh, I think it's important, you know, to to talk with people that you don't necessarily agree with all the time. I, I do some of his um some of his cartoons really make me think. And to me, that's very important. Um, this is the whole point, right? <laughs> being a human is to think about things and to go deep within oneself and and the outer world and the inner world and beyond and the metaphysical and the spiritual and the emotional and the intellectual and the technological and uh, there's something about his work that that really does uh, make me do all those things so uh, again I've I've seen some of his uh, posts and I I, you know I've talked to him about this where I'm like whoa (laughs) that's just so not my thing and I don't agree or whatever but I appreciate what he's doing with his work, what he's trying to do with his work. So anyway, I asked him if he'd be on the show again, and he agreed. And so this is that. And it's fascinating, and I learned a lot, and it gave me a whole lot of stuff to research, which I've been doing. And uh, I'm going to put a bunch of stuff on the links page on heyhumanpodcast.com for you to look at. I encourage you always to... Whatever you hear out there, whether it's this show or any show or something you read uh, or in the newsprint, especially in the newsprint, that you take that information and then you go do your own research. Take nothing at face value, nothing I say, nothing my guests say, nothing, anything you absorb out there in the world. um, It's all subjective. We're, We're creating and developing and understanding from wherever we are. So, anyway, I encourage, I encourage exploration. Go forth. Go forth. Um, usual stuff, social media, Hey Human Podcast is on Instagram and Facebook. You can find my personal Susan Ruthism Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, Susan at Hey Human Podcast. Oh, you can rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or anywhere that you listen to your podcasts on any of those platforms. Uh, it really helps. So please, if you are enjoying the show, take the time to go and rate and review for a few minutes. That would that would be really great. SusanRuth.com for my regular old stuff that isn't podcast related. And of course, I mentioned already HeyHumanPodcast.com if you want to check that out. Oh, very big thanks, especially this week, to those of you who donated to Hey Human Podcast. These are very uncertain times, and I appreciate the support more than you know. So thank you for that. If you who are listening would like to donate and haven't had a chance to, you can find that on the front page of heyhumanpodcast.com. There's a donate button, and I appreciate it. All right, well, thanks for listening, and... As always, I'm sending big love out there into the world, and hang in there, hang on, and love you. Thank you. Here we go. Jim Bob, welcome to Hey Human. Hello, human. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Welcome back to the show. You were on my first year. Wow, was it 2016, you said? That's right, 2016
1: wow perseverance
0: you were as you said an og and yes, i'm an og
1: i'm yeah. an og okay human
0: that's right now way back when um so you have an instagram called at made by jim bob and mm-hmm. i discovered you way back where i and honestly i think your instagram page was kind of new back then and you were doing jewelry and things. yes
1: but yeah, when I started I um, I had a jewelry store actually in uh, North Hollywood and uh, I just wanted to get into doodling and I realized that I had other technical artistic skills in, in the art, art department like painting and stuff, but I wanted to just do doodles and um, I didn't know what to say. So I started with just kind of cute, cute pun stuff and, and then it wasn't until uh, 2016 during that upcoming election where I started, uh, just, you know, participating in, uh, more political driven, cultural driven, uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it started with, you know, cause I actually, uh, I voted for Obama twice. And, at that moment I started seeing some hypocrisy in politics and it wasn't peculiar to one side and, uh, some inconsistency with the media and it wasn't peculiar to one side. And, uh, but I did some. But one thing that was peculiar at that time is that I called out Obama, who I voted for, and you should call out the people you voted for as much as you do the ones who are uh, your presented opponents. Um, but uh, I got quite the the backlash. You know, like you just you know don't do that. You know, you're making him look bad. It's, and I'm like, for me, it's principle. It's if I if I disagree with twenty six thousand bombs. And I voted for the person, I'm going to call it out. And so it all kind of started there. And then um, as time progressed, I realized uh, that, uh, you know, first of all, a lot of the left right stuff is, uh, in a way, uh, manufactured and delivered to us almost like a WWE action, you know, weekend event, you know. Uh, and the news certainly is uh, a lot to. to uh, I not necessarily blame, because that's literally their business, uh, is to create those false dialectics. Uh, But uh, if you just dig deeper, you realize that a lot of this stuff is sort of a false dialectic game, keeping people pinned against um, representations rather than the reality of those uh, representations. In other words, left-right, communism versus capitalism. These things get drilled over and over, and... Throughout my exploration of drawing, um, I realized this and I realized a lot of other things just from the drawing, just from the comments, doing more research. um, And uh, it's been quite a fun ride, and it's been, uh, it's been in a way, like, uh, alleviates a lot of my own internal stress and dialogue about politics and the state of the world and so forth.
0: You know, and there's a few things you just said that I want to touch on, and uh, hopefully I'll remember all of them. But you make a really uh, crucial point, I think. I know that I've, again, been following you for a very long time on Instagram, and you, some of your posts and cartoons and things, I look at it and I think, I don't know if I agree with that, or I don't know what that <laughs> okay. means, which then, of course, makes me go look things up. Or, um, but that's okay, we, right. And I don't know what happened. I do know what happened. We were spoon-fed and told that that we have to hate something that that doesn't jibe with us, you right? Know, that, that so we have to hate it and lash out at it. And it's, it's certainly it seems so obvious, glaringly obvious now that. The best way to control a populace, of course, is to get them to fight amongst themselves so they don't really notice. It's like the great and powerful eyes. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. the Wizard of Oz. Yep. It's the Wizard of Oz, yeah. And yeah. Uh, um, What did you say a second ago that I thought was so interesting? Oh, oh. The, when you said there were things that Obama did that, that you didn't agree with and that you were vocal about. And yes, it is interesting that people forget that they don't have to 100% agree with any and that that doesn't make them a villain and also they work for us i don't know when when that got lost yeah that that got that was a
1: little magic trick that got lost uh yeah definitely that they uh i think what happened is um we we adopted a level of appeal to celebrity culture um elite culture and then, uh, you know, politics and entertainment have always been overlapping and, and infused since before Rome. Just go back as far as you can. Uh, as long as you could make a, a stage, you know, state, statecraft, stage play about politics, it's entertainment. So the hard thing has always been to separate entertainment from politi- politics. But especially in this day of uh, media, direct media, the ability to produce uh, high-quality high Media and presented a certain way, Um, news, uh, entertainment, and politics are all one entity now, and I think uh, because of that, uh, you get the sense that they are not our our employees, or you know they don't work for us. They are presenting to us, and uh, and we're we're uh, cheering from the stands, and uh, in a way that is a is sort of a trick to have us look at the, um, like they're better or bigger, or they know better. And they're just humans. They're just humans. They're mostly men who have their own agendas, left, right, or center. Uh, they have their own appetites in their personal and public lives. Uh, they have their own cronies and friends and establishments that they're a part of and those that they oppose. And that's all that's really happening. Once you realize the um, the state of man, um, that he is uh, grossly fallen, flawed, greedy, but also has good in him. And this goes for women, I'm just
0: I, I using I knew you meant that. the capital M of man. Yes, yes. And
1: uh, once you realize that, you can clearly see where uh, the worship of man and the appeal to man, uh, you know... They're both the same. the The enemy making man the enemy is the same hand as making him the savior. And what we're seeing is that battle now, and it transcends uh, politic uh, political affiliation. It's if we just get this person in office, right or left, then utopia is on its way. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. then finally we can get to a place where X, Y, Z. It's all this abstract, separate from now in the future time, that we're going to eventually create this thing, this place, this society, and uh, if you all if you all just listen to our side and let us do this thing, that is where the, uh, the flip of they work for us versus no, we're appealing to them. And uh, it also has to do with the uh, looming and brewing uh, technocratic aspect, which totally transcends, it's a part of politics, but – It's much larger uh, because uh, the technocratic state, it is the appeal to experts, uh, that experts in science, science TM, not the practice of science, science TM, the establishment of the, the medical industrial complex. We have to appeal to them because they know where we should go as a society, as a world. And so that claim itself actually is a global claim and not a, na- a nation claim. And I think that's also what we're seeing. It's not only the appeal to the celebrity aspect of, of politics, but we're appealing to the expert, you know, the infusing of expertise in politics. And it's very easy to appeal to science and, uh, to, to appeal to authority, the person who has the, the correct badge or degree. Um, but it's a mistake. And, it's a mistake just on on logic alone because uh, expertise and science itself can only tell us what is. They can't tell us where we ought to go. It's a fundamental um, fallacy. Uh, even the atheist materialist David Hume is the one who uh, really put that fallacy on the map, and it is very true. There's, the scientific process cannot tell us where we ought to go. It's a moral. It's a moral issue. It's a moral claim. You know, it could only tell
0: us what is. And even and then, then we- it's really, that's not, I've had a lot of conversations with my dad. My dad's a scientist. I've had a lot of conversations with him about this sort of thing. And he said to me once, it really stuck with me. This was years ago. He said, Susan, you know, I think you misunderstand science. And I said, what do you mean? He, uh, he said, well, I think you think that science is out there trying to prove that something is. And I said, isn't it? He said, no. Science is supposed to prove what isn't. What isn't, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and that's where somewhere along the way it shifted.
1: Yeah, yeah. It tells us what we have to infer what is based on the the falsify the falsification of the previous theory, and and we're constantly in that thing, and um, and that's the joy of science. That's the discovery is that uh, we know something so far as we know until. It's disproven and shown to be wrong. And that, um, so you could never really truly establish what is based on science, but you could only um, assume. You have to assume. And a lot of it we do assume, even though uh, it's to some degree of low uh, marginal error. So, like, uh, we have to assume that if I go out in the street and get hit by a car, it's likely to hurt or kill me. Um, it's still like a probability, you know what I mean? And so, um yeah, he's right. your your dad's right. it's it's about it's about falsification and um, and any new theories must be uh, falsifiable. So you have to be able to test against it, um, which 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 uh, leads me to another point is that, um, what we've also seen specifically in that world is uh, the replacement of experiment, which has been for the last thousand more years uh, the arbiter of competing hypotheses. In-world experiments, I do this. You know, We observe it physically. It's been replaced with simulation, and uh, those simulation can do some accurate modeling and um, and you can experiment inside simulation, but you could also uh, pervert simulation.
0: Are you and meaning on you, a computer? Is yeah, like, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You can pervert uh, things like that. You can pervert numbers, and you can pervert conclusions. And uh, and if they can't be testable in real time in reality with anything else, uh, you're kind of in the world of theoretical science and uh, physics and so forth. And I think that alone um, has also created a gap between the common person who normally would be able to interact with science to some degree and have a conclusion and be like, wow, this is cool. I can do, I can do this too. And it's created a gap between that person. That's us. And, um, the experts who understand the models and you don't understand it, you know, Jim Bob, you know, like, you know, you don't. it's all this appeal to authority, uh, fallacy. Um, and so it, you, we see it with do, we see it with doctors. We see it with science. We see it with um, there is a distance between uh, the common person and the expert, which uh, further pushes a, a technate, a technocratic sort of worldview, um, governmental symposium-led uh, authority in, in what is where we should go, and uh, we're seeing that in globally now on a big, massive level, like, especially right now, like people are interacting with this virus. Like, like I don't see how they don't see the other things involved that like the use of this scenario, like never let a good crisis go to waste. Um, it really is being used to push that, uh, that future, you know, that future of, A data-driven world, a moneyless, fully digital world, a shut-in economy world, where we are all kind of prisoners to our homes because they're keeping us safe, and we—they know what's risky, and we don't, and they're making the choice for us, and uh, just uh, stay. You know, like they want to. They there are people who voiced it. You know, that this will be the new normal, Um, and that's all. That's all expressions of. uh, of technocracy. It's it's beyond right left politics like so far.
0: Well, I think part of the the language always be wary of language. Firstly, because there's a, there's montrification, which I don't know if that's a real word if it's not I just made it up. But there, I do mm-hmm. think that things get said over and over and over again because it's a the classic you can tell a lie repeatedly and it becomes mm-hmm. the truth. Mm-hmm. But do you feel in the 50s and things, you know, the Russians are bad. Hide under your desk. You know, we're all going to die from a bomb. That it's, it's, it's all the same. It's been around. That mode has been around forever. We just have a technological advancement now that can fit around. It's like they built the Matrix around the Matrix.
1: That's right. Yeah, well said. That's exactly what it is. Like, the, I see it as all the same stuff. It's, uh, you know, they created a, a goblin. Uh, they did it. It's old. It's as old. It's as old as man, really. I mean, you create a goblin, and then you sell the people. You know, they get into the fear, and it's Hegelian dialectics. It's like you you sell the fear, and then um, you you make it a reality somehow, and then you sell the the solution to that thing. And when the when uh, the solution is the people who are selling the solution, if they're inextricably tied to the you know, or related or associated uh, habitually to the uh, the goblin itself, it's very. I become very skeptical because I see the patterns. It's it's like you said. It's distinct from the content. It, it's a pattern. You can see it. It's hide under your desk. Nukes are going to kill you, and it's going to be crazy um, watch out for Muslims. You know, they're gonna, you know, use knife cutters and cut into everything and kill you and cut off your head. It's all goblin language. It's all creating, um, an enemy. Right. And then it's like, um, WMDs. Oh, let's justify a 30 year war. Um, they're everywhere. I, okay, well, you know, Al Qaeda and, they're old now. They're the old Nike shoe. Let's uh, produce a new one called ISIS. Like, and then let's place them whenever, wherever we want. And uh, people will have to appeal to intelligence and the military complex. And we'll just have to believe them that they found cells somewhere. And they're going to go get them, guys, because your freedom is in a cave somewhere, by the way, um, in another country. So, this, this thing is so clear once you remove yourself from the hysteria. It's very really... Ender's
0: game. It just reminds me of so much of Ender's game. Have you read that book? Absol- uh, no, I know. I just
1: um, I listened to the audio.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, same yeah. thing.
1: It is. It is. It, I mean, a lot of the pushes for these dystopias are also completely uh, uh, parallel, too. Like, they're. Well, oh, they pull them
0: straight to... out of sci fi books, really. Oh, yeah. As far as I'm well,
1: yeah. The thing is, I, I think it's even further than that. I think there's a level of uh, of uh, acceptance to these ideas that are used through sci-fi. I mean, I think that um, that sci-fi can be co-opted by larger entities and, and be like, make this seem normal. In other words, like, normalize this kind of scenario. Um, and, and then we're more likely to accept it. Of course, that theory is a little harder to prove, but... But then again, you know, intelligence has uh, demonstrably had its has its feet in uh, media and Hollywood and uh, culture.
0: Yeah, I did a bit of a deep dive the other night. I, w- I was looking through research about psyops, and I thought, God, does this make me a crazy person? But as like, a what, <laughs> what if this is all just like there's just a room full of people watching everybody's reaction and just like, wow, let's see what we can make them do now. It's like the mice. Where they shock them on this side of the table, and over here they give them sugar water, and over here, you, you know what I mean? And
1: absolutely, I mean that's. I think that's absolutely what's going on most of the time. I think we're sold fear, and then I was saying on a stream recently that, like, you know, when you have a, you think you have a spider on you, and you freak out. So everyone's freaking out, and then we're judging the reality by the freak out and the measures taking versus looking. Do is there really a spider on you? Um, and the, and because the, your
0: brain doesn't know the difference. No, it Your doesn't, brain doesn't know the difference. And that's the fascinating thing. I think once they figure, whoever they are, once, once it's, it's realized that the brain can't distinguish between reality and, and falsehood as far as uh, limbic response, Yeah. then they're on to something.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think that's I think that's studied. I think that's known by people. It who is have for power. sure,
0: absolutely. And, or uh, and people and who I, don't. I mean, I knew that. I have no power.
1: <laughs> right, but but the thing is, like, it's such a trick because um, the reality is, it's it's manipulative because uh, we respond if we think we're in danger, we're going to respond consistent with that being true first, and then we're going to go, "Oh, there's no spite. There is no bear." So. That's the trick here, and if people utilize this, and they have, and they have done it over and over again, and it really is a kind of like, um, it's often done by government with the help of the media because they have that arm, they can use that now. I don't know if most people know this, but um, propaganda is legal in the U.S. You know, the Smith-Mundt Repeal under you know Obama, two thousand thirteen. Before in nineteen forty-eight, when that was created. It was a law that you couldn't use propaganda on the people, but you can use it externally, foreign. Um, Now that the information age is here, and um, really you can access any information, foreign or uh, domestic, they changed that, and now uh, we are basically subjects, and it's this massive matrix, a hell matrix of uh, disinformation, proper information, half-truth information, and then we're stuck trying to figure out not only is there a, is there a spider on us or not but uh, like it, it's even deeper than that it's like there can be a half spider on you in other words you know so to speak it, so there's a there's always a half truth there's always a half truth like um, that's
0: the best way to get a lie out is to and, embed a seed of truth in it absolutely
1: yeah that's what it is and that's been done that forever that's been yeah it's been figured out I'm, I'm it, curious
0: just... why uh, now there's so many questions I have for you there's a million questions um firstly do you think I know some people I do not believe this virus is man-made I think that viruses just are naturally motherfuckers um but I know I've done so much research lately partly in, in uh, for you but also just for other conversations I've been having because people are fascinating all the different things that they believe I'm fascinated that they don't think America, or they, again, I'm using the word they with a capital T, but there are people that don't think America is capable of such, you know, devious and diabolical things. It always has to be the other, which I find fascinating. And also, um, there are those that think, well, you know, myself included, that these types of viruses and things come along every so many years. There's a ton of people; we're crowded. There, where you know, there's animals interacting. You know, the DNA is very close. It's not that hard for a virus to jump from one uh, mammal to another. All that kind of stuff. Where do you stand with that? Um,
1: well, uh, there's so many aspects to that. One is vi- viruses. Um, can be synthesized, you know, even Bill Gates, who is now the uh, official self-anointed um, godfather of all things virology, um, he's uh, you know, you, you can synthesize a virus. There's proof of that. Yeah, and there, of is, there is evidence that uh, another virus that's as close to um, COV2, SARS CoV2, um, which is distinct from the disease it call- causes, which we're calling COVID-19. Uh, the virus itself, um, there is some some uh, history there where you can find it. It's uh, There's a virus called SARS-CoV-WI, which stands for Wuhan Institute, V1, which is either virus one or version one. And so they found this. This is the one found in the horseshoe bat. And this is, didn't come from people eating bats. It's They found it, there and they studied it um but there is documentation that they synthesize that particular virus which is not the same as engineering um engineering like building from molecule right. up and
0: whatever they take a um, virus and then they they tear yeah. it apart and try and figure out what it's they made play. of and its properties and that's right that's a common practice in fact that's not even yes. yeah
1: no yeah but this specific one there is some evidence that says that uh even under obama he said don't mess with it and I think that actually changed under Trump where you could mess with it, um, that takes a little bit of a deeper dive to distinguish like what actually happened there lawfully. But um, I, I think there's evidence to support that viruses can be synthesized and messed with in a lab, and if they get out, they can jump to the ACE2, you know, the ACE2 receptors. So, But that doesn't mean that's what happened, but it's, it's important to know that it's possible. Um, and then the other side of it is... Um, it's, it's not whether a virus, to me, the important question isn't whether something's natural and just came out of nowhere and hit us. It's to what extent, um, is the threat, uh, and how do we separate that from media hysteria and, um, very unreliable, what's seen to be more and more so unreliable, uh, documentation and statistic protocol from the CDC and who they're directing to, uh, to take the, the tally marks. Um, that's a whole other world, but, I mean, even beyond that, like it's important to distinguish just for people's own uh, sake of well-being to, uh, to understand if if there is evidence that something's overblown, and the result of it being overblown is fear, I think understanding how it's overblown is helpful to people in reducing their fear, because fear can cause sickness, and there is something that's called the placebo, right? Everyone knows that's effective, right? It sounds like magic. How could that possibly be? Someone gives you something that's uh, useless and it actually works. Like, what is this magic? But it's true, medically proven. The opposite of that is a nocebo, which is you uh, give someone a placebo, but it's the opposite. Uh, in other words, an example is a doctor tells you all of the things wrong and unlikely to work with a with a with a medication, right, or a process. And if the person believes the worst about that, they are often producing worse events. There's no way for me to prove this, right, but um, I can definitely infer it just based on that that notion, that we're experiencing a bunch of people who are so afraid, so anxiety-ridden, already potentially unhealthy, some to a morbid level, and uh, they're causing a lot of self, they're doing it themselves. Um, and that's hard to distinguish, regardless of whether they test positive or false positive or whatever. That, that whole phenomenon is something that nobody talks about. First of all, the fact that America specifically, um, we're already not healthy. We are, we are our, our level of immune deficiency, diabetes, heart failure, if you look at all of those, they're at the top top 650,000 a year heart. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, 150, uh, respiratory failure, uh, lower respiratory every year, uh, 60,000 flu and pneumonia.
0: And it's uh, also you- very high among the poor people.
1: Yes, yeah, poor, poor people are
0: just general, like, they are... They, they make like, weird, they they're, you know, their choices where they put what food they intake. and. If yes. I thought of you, actually, I was at the liquor store buying some liquor, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and people always
1: always think of me no that wasn't the part that
0: made me think of you i was standing there and this was probably two and a half weeks ago and i didn't have a mask on or gloves or anything i was just you know in the store this was before they here in california they said you have to wear more things but um anyway i was in there and the man next to me was in full regalia hazmaty kind of outfit gloves mask goggles uh hat whole nine yards and he bought cigarettes and Ah, I laughed for five minutes (laughs) about that and I thought oh I wish Jim Bob could see this because it reminded me of it was one of your cartoons come to (laughs) life you know not just say I mean this I actually know people now that have lost a couple of my friends have lost their parents to this they had underlying conditions before you know all this stuff and uh, one of my friends has lost five co-workers so it's definitely taking its toll in real life the uh, the immune response to fear is it's so devastating to the body
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it's true it's so true there's actually a there's actually i don't really buy this as the main narrative but uh, i saw some uh very interesting um documentation comparing um what is looked what is said to be the coronavirus uh you know visualization under a microscope and the exosome Uh, Representation of fear in the body, and it's uh, eerily similar. It's very bizarre. I wouldn't go to the point of saying that. I would say the virus, the virus, the real impact virus um, in the mental state is fear. In the body, you know, the virus is something that triggers the body's autoimmune system to respond and fight it, and it's actually the um, the overreaction it's or the failure to react um to to something that's uh, an imposter to the body that causes sickness um and that's what's interesting about the whole narrative is that it's like viruses themselves don't kill people it's the response the body is the having yeah
0: because you drown yeah
1: right and, and it's like you know and it's hard for people to separate that because they're like no that thing killed me and and uh but then, based on that logic, you'd have to say that someone who survived the uh, virus, um, the virus saved them, and you can't you can't use those same logics. You know what I mean? It's that their their autoimmune system was in good health. They were generally in good health, maybe younger, and they were able to fight or overcome the virus. And as a result, they're now not only immune, but their body is even has more preparedness. And so, uh, it's a weird thing to what what I find. Um, what I find most, um, alarming about all of it has nothing to do with even the rate of death, even if it was more, even if it was way more, it's the response. It's the, the technocratic, huge sweeping response globally that has way more other policies on deck that are just too conveniently parallel to these actions and uh, there's too much history about it, too. And Let, it's let's just like,
0: start there now on a new... Let's sort of change tacks a little bit to explain, because I think a lot of people don't know this term you are using. Uh, so explain what that is. Uh, well, a
1: technocratic state or a technate, um, it's basically appeal to experts. Um, science Scientism, which is separate from the methodology of science, it's the idea that uh, science knows best for us and tells us where to go. It's a science... Uh, the telios in other words the, the trajectory of where we should take science um, it's basically taking a moral stance and tying it into expertise um, and what it does is a, a technocracy um, removes all of the other standard traditional ways of governing and it just appeals to authority and tells us where to go and what to do and what kind of constraints we should have in the world of consumption, in the world of production, in the world of mobility in the world of, um, um, how we eat, uh, reproduction. It's also, so, um, so if you just imagine a big, a big group of experts, uh, they're unelected and they're going to dictate what we should do globally with resources. Right. So this is all comes back to, um, the first UN meeting in Rio de Janeiro, um, you know They used climate change, and regardless of what the reality of the climate changing is in regards to uh, production, CO2, pollution, all of this stuff, it doesn't matter. The policies are, are used to push this technocratic state, and it's explicit in writing, so it's not a theory. So when you take the, U, the Agenda 21, um, that's an agenda that's um, you know, built for 2021. That's uh, next year. Um, all of the measures are about, um, basically seizing all the means of, uh, of production, consumption, energy. They want to give energy certificates to people on the individual level. This
0: is a panel. This is a discussionary uh, panel or. Yeah,
1: this is a document. Um, so the document, the first document, uh, um, tailored for this kind of stuff is really old, uh. But uh, the recent one, with the most recent one in 1992, I believe, is called Our Common Future, and it's basically their book, their their what they want to do, their mission statement, and how they're going to do it. And so, um, so it's all documented, and, and all the measures are there, and it's all about um, uh, using data. Like for instance, Bill Gates, everyone's afraid of forced vaccines and that's like they should be, you should, the, nobody should tell you, you force you to inject something into your body. Regardless, you should be given the risk of doing it or not doing it. And then you should be, make a choice and be uh, responsible for your choice. But, um, so the whole system of ID 2020.org, which is Bill Gates, um, little, um, project where he's going to take a, a, um, a chip, Implant it just on the surface of your body, and the whole idea is to give every individual on Earth an identity, a global identity, um, as, and have their information embedded in the chip. And this includes medical. So, if you look at the past and how, where we've come, we can all agree that surveillance state we've already we've already kind of reached it in the age of information in general. Absolutely to emails, even our movement with our cell phones. Um, but the next phase, and it's not the final phase, the next phase is biomedical. Um, and you could go back to Trump's, uh, one of his first speeches in 2016, just search Trump biomedical visa, just search that. And you'll find him talking about how we need biomedical, um, a, data, a data-driven biomedical ma- surveillance matrix, basically. Um, for him... He could probably, aligned with his politics, would be more along the lines of immigration, how to use that for immigration. You know, if everyone was chipped and you can track them, you can better track movement, right? But that's just a small, myopic use of it, right? The larger use is track, monitor, and constrain movement, right? Like, right now, clearly, demonstrably true that an authority combined with media can can get people immobile at the push of a button and justify it, right? So basically, it, it, the whole technocratic state relies on, uh, first of all, the, um, the swift removal of private property, um, the swift removal of money. Uh, it has to go to digital, which is also in the works. Um, people, The whole movement to digital, getting rid of actual um, – paper money
0: aren't we kind um, of in that phase though yes. i mean i feel yes. like between apple pay which i don't use and your credit card and i i haven't seen yep. real cash from yep. many of my friends in a long time so yeah and I, I i don't mean to interrupt but i, I don't want to forget that i want to kind of take this piece by piece so right. the first part of what you were saying about moving about the world let's say yeah. and then tracking individuals firstly i'm curious you know why would anyone think that everyone is important enough to track who cares? And secondly, uh, what would be the end game of that? What's What do you think? Because to me, I think, well, why would anybody give a shit if I got on a plane and went to wherever? You know what I mean? Right. I don't understand right. why that's an issue. And the second question, of course, is if we've already been uh, really, we're not in cryptocurrency, obviously, but we certainly use computers to pay for everything. Everything. So, how is that different? Let's let's just take it bit by bit, so that uh,
1: yeah. Okay. So the first thing is, um, it's uh, in uh, data on the individual level is not valuable. It's a massive level. So the only way it's really valuable is if you have the most possible amount of data on everybody. Bill Gates' his dream is to have everybody individually have their own data chip and have access to that data. Uh, pool, right? So just having access alone is power. Just just that alone. So it doesn't matter what you do. Just having access to the data is power because you could see patterns and make decisions and policy based on patterns. And it's all really arbitrary actually because as I as I mentioned, looking at what is cannot give you what ought to be. And if you have a small group of, of uh, technocrats deciding what is for the world, as far as constraining your mo- mobility, um, then they're going to make that decision. And if your livelihood is dependent on that chip and what you can and can't do as far as buying and selling or moving around the world, um, then uh, it's going to be up to someone else to decide that. So but isn't why it would kind this- of
0: like that already?
1: That's what I'm saying. No. It
0: seems like there's... Th- we- it's not.
1: It's not because um, right now he wants to make it so you can't come back into society without getting a vaccine. And so your, the new certificate for participation in society is based on uh, the prerequisite of whatever the medical field deems is necessary for your body. So they turn and us so, all
0: into GI, government issue? They make all—because military, they get to test things on.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, not just testing. It's just that um, right now the argument is, well, we— we're going to stop you guys from, um, moving a bunch and, uh, going to a concert and doing all the things you're used to. Um, we might not ever get back to that unless everybody gets vaccined. Um, so the vaccine itself is sold as a safety measure. And, um, but really it's a a Trojan horse because, uh, what happens is, um, I'm sorry, Ruth, do you want to go to Italy? I'm sorry. You don't have 10 out of 10 of our vaccines. You know, sorry, it's and it's not government. The thing is, it's technocratic, so it also uses companies. You know how we get kicked off of things for saying stuff, people's, and you just have to respect because you're like, well, that's a private entity, right? So the 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 government can use large corporations to loop around you know, as a loophole around uh, First Amendment rights, um, and so they can say, no, it's their policies, and and same thing with a bank. And same thing with a uh, uh, American Airlines. They can say, sorry, uh, Ruth, but it's American Airlines policy that uh, you have 10 out of the 10 vaccines and, or else you can't fly.
0: But don't so they kind now- of they like, oh, your shirt doesn't say the right thing or you're wearing sweatpants yeah. or you're they already do crap like that. And why? What right. would be the end game is my big question. What would be the point of keeping me? Susan Ruth, you can't go to Italy because blah- why?
1: Why would they stop you? Well, it's about having the power, of acquiring and maintaining the power to be able to stop you. It's just—it's it's just, just
0: about a power thing.
1: Yeah. Well, no, it's about a power, but it's connected to a utopian worldview where all no, there's no poverty. You know, there's no. You basically have a certificate for use of energy, so it's not even about stopping you from going. Of course, if you had a certain. Uh, If you contracted a certain disease or something that was uh, communicable, they could say, you know what, even though it's a low threshold um, contagion, Ruth, we're just going to play it safe now. You don't get to go to Italy for your, um, you don't get to get married this year. Um, And even if, because it's about someone else making the decision for you. And if it's based on a wider ideology that um, there's a utopian vision in in the UN documents, that they're going to end poverty. Nobody's going to be without food or energy or water. Um, it's it's strictly idealistic, utopian view. And so the only way to set up a system where you could, I mean, you can't deliver that, by the way, but the only way you could try is to basically s- maintain and acquire ownership over all, all things. And that's very explicitly in the in the plan do in you the think documentation.
0: somebody like a bill gates then do you personally think that that he has an an idealistic sense or do you think for him it's it's a uh, villain it's a villainous no. plan no i think he thinks
1: what he's doing is best i think his relationship to the world is a is an abstract one and i disagree with that fundamentally that Even on our basic levels, like we can't express love to an abstract world. I can express love to Susan, Susan, and Susan to me, and one to one. That's how we experience humanity. It is actually one to one. That doesn't mean we we can't imagine an abstract sort of John Lennon esque, uh, Bob Marley one love. It's just a faceless bodies, right? So if you can imagine a one love of facelessness. You don't really know the people. It's just one love abstract. Then you can imagine um, someone like Bill Gates who looks at the world and says, how do we make a world that works for every single person, every continent? And so within that effort, it is at the short term uh, justified. It, it's, it's someone who fundamentally thinks the future of the world should go this way. And the only way to do that is to seize all of the energy and uh, create a data-driven uh, constrained surveillance system where um, even in China they have already. There are systems where there's a red light and a green light. And if you want to do something, you have to wait for your green light. You basically have a traffic sign for every movement and action, every transaction. But but the, the danger here is that um, what's also explicit is energy certification, which is like, you it, it, the the price of things and the exchange of goods and energy and products and services is no longer free will i go make a pizza right it's it has to be qualified and it has to be um uh what do you call it approved so it's a removal approved.
0: of autonomy
1: yes uh, on the individual level yeah uh, and on the national level like a nation who does things a certain way they just do things a certain way
0: do you, you know, how do you that. see um, uh, obviously many governments there's a generally if you follow up the ladder you find the most narcissistic and egocentric person that's that's generally what makes a good politician and I'm using mm. good in the pejorative sense <laughs> psycho psychopath <laughs> generally I mean yeah that's, no, psycho,
1: absolute psychopath not in the sense of like you know, uh, natural born killers, like psychopath in the classical, um, you know, lack of empathy. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, just, no, it's just uh, material driven, mm. like uh, worldview driven that you're going to, you're going to, you have a goal that can be met in the material. So and, um, how
0: do you convince those sorts of leaders who are around the globe that this, uh, how will a few Bill Gates be able to convince a army of those types of people? They, they can't. No.
1: They have to use force. So, But what they can do is um, use consent. Uh, and so what happens is if you develop a society that relies so much on their convenience, us, Hi. so much on their entertainment, us, so much on their push of a button, I get my Girl Scout cookies tomorrow because Amazon's awesome, us, us. Um, Maybe driven by appetites, uh, sex, alcohol, any of those things, right? So, if if we're so used to those things, and the it and it's so difficult, literally, maybe life threatening to severely cut off from that instantly, just like us from oil right now. If we were to just, that's why that can't be like so quickly. If we do depart from oil, like it can't be severed or else a lot of people are going to starve to death especially in india and uh, some of the poorest uh sections of the world um
0: well and before you go on that's such a good point i think that again the one thing that this experience of the last month has really hopefully light bulbs for people is how we are so woven together how one it's it's absolutely the butterfly effect
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and it helps it helps that cause Uh, it, it helps that cause it's It's, um, that's why the abstract is very dangerous. Equality, um, you know, poverty ending. It's all abstract. It's very, it's easier to sell the the abstract painting that's made up, you know, like, if you stand far away from the abstract painting, you could make sense of it, right? You could look at the dots and go, that's beautiful and that's amazing and I can see what it is. And then you get closer at the microscopic level, the level of us, which is cellular, uh, individual it doesn't it's nothing there's nothing like you don't identify with the single dot on the painting but that's not how we live as humans our, our humanity even to, um, I mean to some degree even the the utilitarianist, the material pragmatically driven Bill Gates the experiences that he has that he values are immaterial they are not based in science they are the moment with your daughter, the mo- you know—that's how we experience humanity. It's one to one love, compassion, generosity, even our hatred and fear. It's always delivered one to one, and so that's the that's the fatal flaw. So, no, he's not going to convince a lot of people. Actually, he's going to piss off a lot of people, um, and a lot of people are going to uh, you know lash out and uh, not participate. And if they force some sort of chip on your body, people are gonna cut it out of their body. Um, and, and that's the thing is that it requires consent, and that's why it's a more of a spiritual, um, that's why I, I look at it very much as a spiritual battle between your autonomy, your choice, and what you fear. Um, if we fear man and fear the material, and our lives are constantly driven by the fear and anxiety of what could happen based on other people t- telling us so. We're already slaves. We're already slaves. You might as well just give in and well, just let them.
0: That's the interesting thing about this, this virus experience because I think it's showing a lot of people that they don't need. The, their, the, the teat that, that we've been sucking on for quite a long time is not necessary. No, and it's great, and
1: that's the good. That's where I bring in the good: is that um, there's always uh, in an unintended good consequences and things that come out of this. Me spending more time with my family, people spending more time at home. Um, in a way, it's like a jubilee. It's like you. Yes, it's difficult and hard, and suddenly all these good things are taken away. But uh, you know, it's good. It's create. It's also letting people know. How important our one-to-one connections are, you know, that how important it is to actually, uh, see people and like spend time. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Going back to the cartoons that you do on your, on your Instagram, again, that's at made by Jim Bob. Um, when you, you have what, about 50,000 followers at this point, Mm -hmm. when you post an image what do you think, what what do you, what's your expectation generally? And then is that expectation usually met or is it, because I see people arguing and, and things get pretty heated. Uh, I mean, I, have, I, I read a lot of it. I'm sort of an interloper. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I read a no, lot of fine. of the comments and I'm fascinated. I'm so fascinated by it all.
1: Yeah. Well, it depends. I, I don't really, uh, I could look at one cartoon and be like, oh, that's like, I can judge it myself and be like. Like, that's a good one. And not because it's going to ruffle feathers, but because just, like, you know, for me, it's fun, the craft of it, how to create the meme and have it say something, but also have it challenge something else that's not quite explicit in it, but it can be derived, you know, you could kind of go, like, oh, you know, this might be saying X about something. And um, so the only prediction or, um, you know, uh, what, what was the word you said? Anticipation or something uh, yeah. that I have is that uh, people will probably argue. I mean, that's pretty much it. And then sometimes they won't. And um, but most of the time, there's a way to argue uh, something. Someone will perceive it one way or add a straw man that's not actually in the in the thing. Like you know. Um, but most most of the time, they yeah they do get heated a lot of times, and I don't find anything wrong with that. I've also don't find anything wrong with the kind of like, I think it's mostly male by the way, is uh, the kind of shit talking, you know, even if it like name calling, it's this, it's this level of masculinity that most people have deemed as like totally, you know, toxic or immature. But for men, it's actually not in my, in my view, it's a, it's like our natural sort of like, you know, it's peacock. It's the peacocking. Exactly. Mm. It's, it's like, most of the time it's totally harmless and it's just like, this is how it is. And, and and that to me is, is some of the fun, but I could see how sometimes if it reads just on the page, like if you don't know better, it could be like, this is like horrifying, horrifying, <laughs> <It's
0: laughs> fascinating, but,
1: but and, it's not like that in reality either. Cause you can, uh, you know, if I was allowed to go to the bar with a friend, um, a lot of the language you see and even the words and, um, the ad hominem and, some of the the terminology that would be normally unacceptable on a platform or uh, anywhere else on a college campus. It's just off, like nobody cares in, in, you know, you're just, you're just like, okay, we're just making fun of each other. We're like hitting each other. And um, I think that's actually not only not harmful, but I think it's helpful for men specifically. And it is specific to men because a lot of the, the women who participate are very level-headed. They are not it's, – it's, uh, it's totally contrary to some pre- preconceived notions I've had where uh, women are going to be the, very emotional about it's, – it's actually not. It's like a specific kind of man actually that I find uh, that is very emotional and uses all these emotional arguments about, you know against me or whoever. And I find that actually very fascinating. Mm. Uh, now, in
0: this day, in this day and age, what I see a lot as I read through your comments, the, the yours meaning again the capital Y of all the people mm-hmm. that comment, uh, that how people don't really get that they bring they bring their own great and powerful Oz to the party. Right. <laughs> they don't see that everything that they're saying and seeing is through their lens it's they'd look at it as truth with a capital T because right. it's coming through their experience and it's, everything is experiential. It's just, there's no getting around that.
1: Yeah. Well, also it's a just, it's a futile thing to, to uh, expect truth to be delivered in a comment, you know, anyway, even if it was true or not, it's like the assumption that you're going to get anywhere, anywhere, really, you're not going to convince people, that's for sure. I've given that up. It's just more like a back and forth. And, um, but, uh, but what I do like to see is that even though people come with their own lenses and preconceived notions, it actually tests um, the veracity of logic. And, it, and it, I try to guide some of the memes, uh, have them based in an underlying logically sound statement that's not actually made in the comma in the thing it's just underlying and whether that can be deciphered by the person uh, or the crowd or the mob the mob
0: and, uh, the mob is yeah. interesting there's it's a lot of mob dynamic on, on your oh, yeah. Instagram and I, I often think to myself when I'm reading through like man this would be a fascinating college course is your Instagram. And I'm sure there are others out there that as well would be that. But it would, if if college, from what I understand, college today is not what college was when I went to college. And it bums me out so much because what I love the most about my classes in college was that we argued and we disagreed and we had big ideas and some of them were probably horribly wrong, but nobody said... You're an idiot. You know they said, "Well, why do you think that?" It created a, a, you know, you had to deep dive into your own brain and other people's brains, and and it was so beautiful. And now it's just you must think this, and if you don't, I had one teacher. I'll never forget this. I had a romantic literature of all things, and this teacher and I, she and I did not see eye to eye at all. She would grade my was the worst grade I got in college. It was the only C I did quite well, but not with her, and. Romantic literature of all things. And she would continually return my papers and things. You're wrong. This is wrong. I was like, how can my idea of something I'm reading be wrong? You're, mm-hmm. you're insane. But I just yeah. was like, okay, whatever. And now I think she's more the norm. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think college itself
1: became like that as well. And um, there's also, uh, what was I going to say about that? Um, that oh, oh, you're wrong, you're, like, you're an idiot, you're wrong. Like, it's like, the thing is, when you were in college, uh, there was an accepted, uh, almost like a, it's almost like a contract. It's like you, like, uh, in other words, like, if you go to a, um, if you go to a comedy club, which you're not allowed to now, because that's (laughs) over. Um, (laughs) If you go there, there's an agreement that you're going to see a comedian. Uh, The, the the scenario and the environment, it's all going to be driven toward that as being the thing you don't. That's why hecklers are so they're such violators because, uh, it'd be like screaming in a restaurant to someone else who's talking and and you're violating what the agreement is, even if it's not in writing. And so when you were in college, the agreement was we're going to explore ideas and disagree. And some of us will use good logic and some won't, and we'll just shut it, go somewhere. The, the assumption that that people or everybody wants that on a comment section is just wrong. And, um, and so that's why I started where you're from. And I'm just like, why are these people, uh, you know, don't they want to know the truth and explore it? And the truth is not a lot of people, not all people do. So, um, but those people will show up if they come, like for me, I'll get, um, some trolls that'll just, do like, and again, these are just, these are men mostly who are like, you know, they'll be like, huh, imagine thinking that. And they'll just like add like three emojis laughter. And I'm just like, I have no patience for that. So I'm either going to call that person a name because they're using ad hominem. So I'm going to Matt and I'm going to assume that they don't want to get anywhere in the conversation. So a lot of the, uh, horrific language ad hominem abuse, Verbal abuse, emotional abuse uh, through the screen is a lot of times just mirroring, at least for me. That's what I do. Uh, I'm okay with that if someone's not going to present an argument about an idea, about a stance, a position, a logical statement, a philosophy. If they just come with that passive-aggressive, you know, just very, you know, it's just low-level, it's low vibration. And uh, sometimes I'll participate and I, most of the time I'm not happy. I don't feel good because I'm lowering my frequency. Um, And sometimes it's funny to people and they like it when I, it's almost like being a parent in a way. It's like, no, I'm not going to call my daughter all those names, but I will come at her with the same amount of authority um, to just put her in place, you know, and so she knows like, this is my account, you know, don't. If you're, go- I'm okay being challenged, but just use logic. Just use philosophy and logic. Uh, use facts. Uh, counter me. Tell me I'm wrong because X, Y, Z, and then I'll, I'll, I'll go back and forth with you, and it'll be fun. But if you're just gonna be like you're just a, you're such a homophobe. Like if you just say terms right that you're trained to say, uh, it's not gonna work. You know, you're not gonna convince me, and probably I'm not gonna convince you of anything. So. We might as well just, like, uh, have a a little slapping match, like little cats.
0: (laughs) What do you think about uh, the folks that call you conspiracy theorists? Because I see that happens a lot on there, and they compare you to, like, the QAnon people. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny, because I think QAnon is ridiculous. But, um, uh, no, I'm used to that term. I mean... I've been called that ever since I started in with these rabbit holes, and uh, I realized that if you go back far enough, you realize that the CIA created that term for that very reason, is to discredit people who question their uh, behavior and some of the things they've done. And so conspiracies exist, um, conspiracy theories exist, and the only way to figure out whether it's a conspiracy or not is to have a theory about it and pursue it. And then at some point you'll figure out when you're going wrong or when there's too much inference or uh, unjustified claims being made. But regardless, it's so fun to do. In my in my brain, I love trying to piece together all of those things and investigating and using your brain and being like, is there motive for this? And what kind of policies support this theory? And uh, you can learn, that's what's so silly about that term is that you could actually learn a lot more as a person if you put on your tinfoil hat. Um, you don't learn much more if you just take it off because that's just an expression that, uh, it's basically saying I appeal to authority. Like other people are doing like, don't you think that that was true? People would know it like, and they would tell us, no, not at all. (laughs) There's a lot of hidden things that come out later, declassified stuff. And, but the thing is, I don't pursue the material outcome, right? I don't think I have justice. I don't think I can deliver justice. I'm not going to try to. It's all about curiosity um, it's all about fun and figuring out you know what could be true that's insane you know that moment where you think something like could actually be true and it's really insane like I had a follower who's a you know in science and medicine and I would make fun of Bill Gates and say he wants to you know depopulate the world and he thinks that's the best thing for humans that's one of his measures but he had uh, three kids. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Not his though. No, yeah. no, not his other people's that he doesn't know the abstract again. There's that abstract. You can justify a lot of things for the greater good. If you can turn humans into abstract, uh, numbers, faceless beings, um, because you can actually make the argument pragmatically that, you know, you could, uh, if we take away a uh, five, you know, uh, 2 billion, we'll be at a really good place, you know, like you could make the pragmatic argument for that, but um, the moral argument it falls apart. That's I like call can't. it the
0: Thanos. Yeah, it's the Thanos argument. Right. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And you can't base morality on pragmatism. It's lo- It's logically. Uh, it- it's a fallacious statement. Oh, anyway, the girl uh, was always just like calling me conspiracy theorist and this and that, and until last week, when uh, she started piecing together all of the things about Bill Gates that was very strange and a little too convenient with this with this current. Pandemic scenario. Um, she was finally was like, I can't. Believe, I'm really annoyed that I have to uh, concede that you were maybe right about Bill Gates. Now, um, I t- I uh, I take I take opinions that are uh, supported by facts about people, and then I create hyperboles about them, though just just so like you know, to give her some credit. Where I just I make an extreme version. Of what I'm saying, and I put it in a cartoon or an animation. You're a satire. You
0: know? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You gotta. I want to appeal. I do appeal to extreme, but what's so funny about the interaction is the extreme could be totally untrue. But if you just uh, go three orders down, it's true. You, know, you gave it, you Bill I mean?
0: Gates lizard eyes when yes. he was talking with exactly. Oprah, and I thought, oh, exactly. that's an interesting touch.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's just like a callback to. No, I don't believe there are lizard people. But it's also a fun way of creating um, and not in a manipulative way, but dissonance, because there's truth in what I'm saying on a broader scale and and down to detail. But adding the lizard eyes makes someone have to dis like get over the lizard eyes and still understand that there's truth. And I feel like that's even it's an even greater feat intellectually for someone to be like. Ugh you know he's putting the lizard eyes. So that means if I agree with what he's saying, then, then I think lizard people exist, and I don't want to be that person. But but then you—that's what's funny about—is that you don't you don't you can hold both of those equally, and no one's untrue, and the other one is.
0: Hmm. So do you? Wh- where is your? Uh, do you think that Bill Gates just um, is using the virus as oh here's my way in, or do you think he was somehow part of? uh well. I don't
1: know that he was a part of it. I think someone like in that position is always in the position of plausible deniability in the event that something nefarious actually happens. I mean, he, does, he is getting sued by uh, India for misuse of vaccine treatment, um, not telling them. So he does some sneaky stuff, uh, but I can't uh, – that's still pending in a Supreme Court. Um, but uh, as far as his intentions, I think it would be more aligned with uh, – that uh, he's it. He knows the current scenarios. Mm. Um, he's he's done the event two zero one, which is we all knew. Out. I mean,
0: everybody knew that a pandemic was coming. I feel like I I'm not in science, and I knew a pandemic was coming. It right,
1: was... right, and it's just it's just the the strange thing is it's like in that uh, in that event exercise, it was specifically coronavirus, and that's weirds people out. And then. Um, you know the fact that the event itself as a table a table exercise, you know all of the segments online uh, that they go through are happening like like exactly correlating to real time like all of them. I find that's a little strange, including the the World Bank Pandemic Fund, which was included. Um, and it's just a, a little strange how how quickly they parallel, but. It's really not enough to infer like intent or causal, causal like he, he made something happen. I think it's more likely that he has a plan. He wants to do ID2020.org. Look it up. Um, he wants to get ahead and be the one to uh, create the biggest, most massive medical surveillance platform uh, that's ever existed. It's never existed. And he has the ability to do it and he has the money to do it. And he can use vaccination, um, you know, this first pandemic phase where he can use, uh, use it as a Trojan horse to get people on the platform, the digital platform, the surveillance platform, using um, a vaccine to introduce them back into society um is the trojan horse it's not to me it's not really about stopping pandemics it's more about catalyzing that those kind of systems for a much bigger worldview and he's tied to those worldviews you know rockefeller and all of his friends that bill gates dad hung out he grew up in that world he, that's the world he understands it is a a global view of the world not a local view the way we live down the street hey Hey, coffee
0: shop barista you know my coffee you know it's not that world two questions do you think it will be harder to get the people of a certain means of a certain wealth on board because they don't they won't have a game in the hunt you know a dog in the hunt i mean and uh the other question is um oh shoot i lost it my train let's answer that one first and maybe it'll come well
1: i think um it depends who they are right now um being jeff bezos or cisco uh you are enjoying it because you are the exclusive essential providers for all things and so if you can position yourself within the technate and be a provider and be an expert or be a uh you know one of the the main people um then you're in if you're not then uh you might fight against it so i would say it depends on what game you're in what uh Again, this is um, these year these are experts. This is science, engineering, um, medical. That's the three, and and military. Those are the three sort of uh, the four pillars of a techno a techno uh,
0: technate a technocracy. And state. I think he's twice as rich as Gates at this point. I mean, his wealth is yeah. is yeah. just on a upward. Um,
1: yeah, it's a, it depends, but a lot of them won't like oil people won't. Um, the idea that um, currency is then given by compliance and by resource, like, uh, like it's not given by money or backed in anything else like that, it's, uh, that gives the authority to a very small group of people who are trying to govern it via computer screens and, and like looking at us as graphs. That's the real sick part about it to me, is that I look at humans as uh, beautiful creations from a creator we have our dignity, and um, all of the immaterial values that we love outside of ourselves are within us also, and they can't be proven, taken away, or discredited with science. Science can't give us these things. They are, you know, what the founders, who, in my view, sort of inverted it, actually um, identified as, uh, you know, uh, truths, self-evident truths about us as humans we are not graphs we are not numbers but
0: you could argue that the founding fathers also were just talking about their own kind rich wealthy white dudes they weren't really talking about the poor in fact they themselves set it up so that their voice made more of a shout right
1: well it's still assumed i mean on a deeper level it's just it what they did is they um, still assigned man the arbiter of rights. They turned the language into, man will will uh, govern these things. Like they at least they at least said, um, you know, it's given by a creator that separates it from man. If man gives you rights and gives you your dignity, they can man can take it away, but they can't because man can't create a thing, an item. Called dignity. They can't. Man can't even create logic and hold it in his in his hand. So these things are they're there. They're immaterial absolutes, and uh, the founding fathers can't produce them or uh, deliver them or take them away. And neither can techno states. So they're all the same. Like it's the same shit. It's just like a. It's just men having a utopian view of society or some best view. And uh, it's still material-based. It's still based on what we can produce here on Earth. And um, that's just fundamentally against what my worldview is in that uh, we're not here to live forever. We're not here to set up the best possible system for the most amount of people and then discard the ones it doesn't work for. Uh, That's it. We're here to love people, really. We're here to express love, um, you know, procreate and generate more love and uh and experience each other on a one-to-one uh basis and and uh and protect the immaterial values and uh absolutes that make us human and protect them at all costs
0: so two questions that come off of what you just said one uh You talk about the Rockefellers and the Gates and how those families all have known each other for a very long time. Why not have started this sooner? And uh, second question is, do you think religion will get in the way of this non-religion? I mean, you could argue that technology is its own religion, but... Yeah, it's, uh,
1: yeah, those, all, all things require faith. It's just where are you putting your faith? Is it in the immaterial? Is it in God? Or is it in, uh, Bill Gates and science and empiricism? And so, um, but no, this did start a long time ago. I mean, a lot of these movements, uh, go back to Russell, um, Bertrand Russell, who is a globalist thinker writer. And before these things have been written down, um, for a long time. And, uh, the beginning, you know, of the technocracy as a word, as a view, started in Columbia University, um, and I might be wrong about the date, but I think it was like 1938 or something. Uh, it was either 38 or f- I think it was 38. Um, so it goes back pretty far as far as like the vision. You know, the vision is clearly science is is going to uh, really influence things, and if we just get enough data and experimentation, then. Then that's the truth, you know. Like science is the truth, right? So that's really the underlying assumption here is that science is the truth. So I would argue that the the actual vision for it um, started way before. In uh, there is actually a Plato's. What is it? Plato's. I forgot the name of it. Basically, it was a it was a an idea a utilitarian. Science based idea of a society, and it goes back to Plato. And um, these things aren't new; they're just uh, enhanced by our tech- technological advancements, our advancements in science. And like Eisenhower said, a lot of people go to that, uh, you know, that uh, famous speech where he's warning us about the military-industrial complex. You know that one? Yes. Well, if you just stick around on that, um, which it's usually cut off in all the clips, just hang out. Uh, in that uh, speech, and he does mention the scientific medical industrial complex as just as um, threatening. So does uh, Einstein.
0: Einstein did as well. Einstein said, uh, I can't remember the exact wording of the quote, I'll have to look it up, but about technology, uh, when technology becomes more important than humanity. Right. It is the end of days, basically.
1: Yes. And your second question, I think. um, religion, just generally, because most of it is based in an immaterial, absolute um, entity that transcends human. Um, that alone, the worldview alone, regardless—you know—you could argue the logical inconsistencies. Comparing those things, religions, certain theology in general, but just on a basic lot level, like a lower order of thinking, is that. Um, those people who know that their value is immaterial, that science can't produce dignity, that they can't prove science can't prove logic exists. They can only use logic. They can't justify logic. They can't, um, or this idea that um, all knowledge is from science. Right? It's easy for people to make that claim, and they don't realize that that's a that's a claim about knowledge that can't be proven using science. You can't prove all knowledge uh, is from science because that's not a, that's a that is again a, ma- a major knowledge claim and you and it's totally separate from the scientific process there's you can't so you know I think what people will see and and I don't think anyone ever stops seeking God in all of their ways whether it's new ageism or uh, eastern philosophy meditation it's all it's clear to us that we are spiritual moral beings and fighting over and figuring out what the basis truly is of that and where we source it is part of life itself it, it is part of the game we're playing here and that game <clears throat> is completely independent of where science takes us but science can try to constrain that with unintentionally you know, because if, if, if all it takes is people appealing to science and saying no, we have to tell we have to follow the leaders. They're the smart people that made our phones. And I always talk about this: the the fallacy of that uh, because someone made an amazing phone that we can use, they know where we should go. It's a fallacy. It's not true. You can make a lot of cool things. It doesn't. It doesn't tell us where we should ought to go. That's a metaphysical claim. That's a spiritual, a moral claim um, you're, and you're making a massive claim about uh, individual uh, agency. You're basically discarding anyone who disagrees. So that's why it's so powerful to not live your life uh, based on your material you know, pursuits, gains, acquisitions, money, fame, things, items, because uh, none of those things uh, you know, really, in the end, it's like those things can only produce small, short-term experiences, and they're they're gone. Yeah. So I talk about a much- that a
0: lot about how the coin of the realm is the true currency of the human soul.
1: Yeah, and currency. Um, another thing about currency is that uh, where currency goes is uh, where the world goes, and so if they make. Compliance currency. You can't get on the plane until you comply. You can don't press go. Uh, Don't collect two hundred dollars unless you get this certificate. All of these like man-made constraints. Uh, We already have some, many, but um, it's just it's isolating it further down on the atomization, like atomizing it further down to every single choice and movement um is well, where the trend is going and then is
0: a series of steps right placation uh and yeah and turning people into veal is a series of uh, it doesn't yes it doesn't even really take that much i don't think
1: no it just takes uh it just takes putting their head in sort of a vice and giving them the proper feed
0: well and they can put milk. the vice can be made out of comfy pillows you know i mean it's, it's going to be comfy uh,
1: that's the thing it's like Wally. it's like Keep people in their comfort zone, eating the the feed that you want. And it's funny that's it's feed. It's like just like a cow or a goat being stuck and, and eating the feed. You know, we're eating our feeds from our phone, yeah. and we're being milked at the same time for our data, and that's being used to then generate sort of like a you know a a system or a view or some kind of structure that people are making decisions that they think is best. Uh, for us and we're just the consumers and deliverers of data like we're basically like cattle already um, literal like we are treated that way already I agree. It's just this, these are the next steps it's like you can I just saw a website where you can look up your social security card number and find all of the bonds that are on your card number you don't exist you're not a person to a lot of people you're a you're a, a securities exchange you know you're a a, a risk or a or an asset. And that's just already shows that, uh, there are people who live, uh, based on a utilitarian view. That you do have data, to send me
0: that, I, that you're right.
1: just. I will. I'll text it to you. That you're just data. And, um, you know, and, and it's all, the, the good news is that it's all about non-participation. You were saying like, can you, can these people convince people and force them? No, force is going to be so, so bloody. They don't want to kill all their cattle. Th- then we can't produce. So, People have to realize now is a time to express your agency um, and that your assertion that uh, you get to say what goes in your body and what doesn't. Um, you get to non-participate in systems that you don't want to. You don't want to. There, the, the this move to lock everyone into a system is. Uh, there's going to be a fight over it. And, and the proper fight is not force or violence it's non participation It's just no I'm not I will not participate <clears throat> And that's not to say that others won't they will a lot of others will because they want their fancy cookies they want the Amazon box and you know they want you know you could probably the pillow you say a soft pillow could be um, your you know $300, three hundred three thousand dollars worth of uh, social credit. You know that you can use on any uh, thing outside, as long as you don't go in and sit down. You have to pick up your sushi to go. It's a don't. very,
0: it's a very fascinating. I mean, I, I could see this movie actually, just how that, where that ties into the prison complex, the industrial prison complex. Women obviously have had a long time battle for uh, dominion over their own bodies. Uh, you know, there's there's so much
1: yeah no it's uh, a this is the prison in the real world we're entering it i mean like safety like you're safe you know like you're safe don't worry we're gonna give you safety and give you all these measures but don't worry it's worth it because um you know you might get sick i mean who knows we gotta we gotta we gotta make these intermittent i mean they just came out with a harvard study that they're trying to make the claim of intermittent shut-ins and uh Basically having a full-on, unending uh, set of measures globally where other people get to decide when you can and can't leave your house to go see your mother.
0: Well, it's also very hard to protest when you're not allowed to leave your house. Exactly, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> you can do a real... Zoom.
0: I mean, the, you. I think you had one. Dude, the Zoom protest is hilarious. That's the trick.
1: That's really what's going on here. People have to get over this idea and they will, it takes longer for some people to realize um, to what level this is being abused and to what level it's being uh, they're using deception, and you have to understand that no matter what threat there is, you are the one who has the decision of whether you want to expose yourself to threat. You do, and you have to maintain that. You cannot let Bill Gates decide what is and isn't uh, threatening, and what, you know, who someone else deciding whether you can go see your mom or have a birthday party for your kid and, like, you know, play t ball, you know, based on what? on what? First of all, on what basis is someone dying of a virus bad? Has that not happened before?
0: I think it's the spread of it that is. Uh, well, I having Still, I have friends who are doctors and nurses who are in what you would might call the front lines, and it's a shit show. It sounds like it is. But
1: on what basis is it wrong? It's a shit show. It's horrific. Oh, you
0: mean wrong to expose oneself?
1: Or on what basis? Like on what basis should anyone have the power mm. over other people? Um, to take measures um, just based on that alone. But see, right
0: there, what you just said, this is what reminds me of the founding fathers who felt that they knew what was best and therefore they wrote the Constitution. They didn't write everyone into it, by the way, Mm -hmm. right? That came along later. Right. And even though they've been written in, they still don't have the same rights, you know? And so it gets very tricky very fast
1: well that's why it's a it's a metaphysical uh argument it's not the founding fathers can't decide who gets rights and who doesn't they can write it and they can try to enforce it but if you believe right your your rights your body your dignity your sanctity and all of those things um transcend man's opinion like they don't get to say and that's what Needs to be backed right now. Is that men don't get to say uh, you can't see? Regardless, it it doesn't matter. You can't say uh, I. You know, you have to cancel your wedding or your family reunion or um, you know your daughter's uh, dance recital because this many people got ill and the hospital was a shit show. Those two, even though it's very hard to separate those things. It's still giving other people the authority in telling us uh, at what point we should not have horror. Meanwhile, the same authority funds endless wars, over a million people dead. We don't stop. We don't stop living and producing what's good in the world and meeting each other in assembly or going to church or all the things that make your life what it is. We don't stop because there's a plague. The plague. The, it's, this is an old trick. They did this with uh, pox. They tried, you know, they established this uh, state-directed. You can't do this. You better leave. Go home. We're gonna arrest you. All of this stuff. You're talking about the chicken pox, smallpox.
0: Smallpox. Okay. It's like yeah. wait, chicken pox. used to have parties and people uh, would get yeah. together.
1: <laughs> yeah, there was even parties for measles. Yeah. I mean, all of this is is just the assumption that uh, they there's someone who knows better than us. And we, there are certain decisions we just can't make on our own. And that is a slippery little you know, con, uh, form of manufactured consent there, is that once you do that on this level, we're basically saying as long as they can show on the media and sell us that there's uh, something worth hiding from, um, then they can just hit a button and say, you guys all hide in the dark like cockroaches until we say so.
0: What are you going to do? What is your
1: plan uh my uh, well i'm looking at this and i'm going well because my my fight isn't in the material i'm going to watch it first and then um i'm going to see what if they if we can defeat it and say no we're actually going to go back and there's enough people who are saying i know this is risky and whatever but i'm calling your bluff i don't me personally i don't think it's as right now the numbers are still not near N1H1, and I've, I have proof that they have have inflated numbers. Regardless of the shit show and the experience the frontline people have of dealing with severe cases, a lot more people coming in, there's also tons of hospitals that are just dead and waiting, right? They're just waiting, waiting for the big thing, right? So I think it's more likely that it's being uh, it inflated and used for other political uh, issues of other other policies that are set in place. I can clearly make that argument based on what is, you know? And I I think it's a matter of people calling, calling it out. And I think the, the glee and glory and, um, the, uh, what is it called? The relief of when people fight against a massive form of deception, um, the relief that comes from them exerting their own agency and defeating that deception is greater than the sense of safety that they're going to retain by listening to those who are deceiving them. I just think we are, as humans, are more likely to want to be free and risky and in danger than be protected by Willie Gates and all of his expertise. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather die. I'd rather die.
0: Along came a half spider named Oz.
1: <laughs> exactly, it really is Oz. And then you just get, take that little doggy, you know, Toto. You know,
0: does the fact that to- you have a daughter change
1: anything? I t- yeah, I have two daughters. And, oh, you have two daughters. Okay. Yeah, and like right now, I enjoy it because it's like I don't want to be forced to be at home, but I I will turn this situation into good and experience all the greatness and fun that I don't get to because I'm working. And so there is a certain sweetness to the pausing from the rat race this constant i'm a rat working for this money and the money pays for the thing and then i don't have time for the thing that i really want and so it's not all bad it's it's hardly bad um fighting the deception is less about um the 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 measures it's more about deception itself it's like a spiritual battle uh over the mind and body um but yeah changing it changes a little bit like she was in dance class, right, and uh, she was going to have a recital, and we have to switch over to this um, really, uh, you know, first level, low level introduction to uh, dance class on Zoom, and it's just sad to me. You know, I was I took dance when I was a kid. Like there's something about dancing that's physical that you watch and you witness physically. It's a being. It's a, it's it's beautiful. And it's not beautiful flat screen on a screen. It's not. It's just not. And uh, and so that's a little sad where I'm just like, oh, like, you know, a da- that thing. That thing that my daughter, who's now almost four, will remember. This is when the memories form. She's going to remember weird – her parents ask, answering weird questions that they can't quite answer. Like, why are we inside? Because, um, because they think everyone's sick or because – a number of people are sick. You know, like she not, she's not supposed to experience that. She's just, she I want her to experience the actual dance recital. You know? And and so that part's like, Ugh, I don't like that. You mm-hmm. know, and so yeah, it's changed a little bit. And uh, but other than that I have no fear. There's no there's never been a moment where I'm like, Oh, what if like I have no fear that any of us are going to get anything or die from it, and and even if this thing didn't exist, you could get something and die from it anyway. I mean, just the numbers are just ridiculous. They're just cancer, just driving cars every day. Like, why don't they? Why didn't they shut down the economy from just basic uh, lower respiratory issues? You know, last year, it doesn't make sense. There's something very fishy and uh, deceitful about all of this, and I'm going to keep fighting that position, and until. Um, until it's proven.
0: All right, Jim Bob, always, it is a pleasure to speak with you. I have so much fun in our conversations. Me too. I really appreciate your time.
1: And I appreciate yours and uh, everything you do. And thanks for constantly pursuing uh, the opposite view or the parallel view or the, um, the things that are harder for you to talk about or harder for other people to listen and uh you're always doing that and uh i
0: acknowledge you for that thank you that means a lot thank you have a wonderful afternoon and uh go dance in your living room or something (laughs) i will i will (laughs) all right thank you all right see you guys bye everybody rate and review hey human on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts thanks for listening bye